Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh yeah, sure Very you worst. betcha. Yeah. Oh, After yeah. a weekend in Minnesota with Amanda, though, mm-hmm. this is coming so naturally to Your me. Your dad has the most <laughs> amazing Minnesota accent I have ever heard. It's unbelievable. It flows it's out so of him like authentic. lava. It's so thick and like <laughs> like gravy. Yeah, he just looks yeah. like a walleye when you talk to him. <laughs> Those bulging About eyes. The Minnesota Wild. And he was cracking me up all weekend, too, because the true, like, Sean uniform is an old hockey sweatshirt. <laughs> and, like, the most destroyed acid wash jeans anyone and his ever go- And his seen. gopher's hat. And his gopher hat. Yep. He didn't have his hat on at breakfast after the party, but... I I hid it in his closet because it was like out (laughs) during the party. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to put this away for everyone's sake. That's hysterical. I love that. I also had to like fix his hair a couple of times throughout the evening. His hair looked good. (laughs) Because I kept fixing it. (laughs) You're a good daughter. Poor dad. Poor poor daddy. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god alright this week we will be discussing a different kind of father godfather <laughs> godfather or mother segway. or mother godmothers mm-hmm. um, because uh, we will be chatting organized crime Woo-hoo. yes Um, Also, this was a fan pick, which we love. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is brought to you by $25 a month Patreon donor, Rowan Collins. Shout out, Rowan. Yes, thank you, Rowan. Yeah, we've gotten a couple of really good uh, fan suggestions from the Patreon folks. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and pop on to donate at $25 a month, and the next topic Mm -hmm. could be yours. <laughs> For the low, low price of your firstborn child, <laughs> you too could pick a topic. We'll do a good job, we promise. We'll try. We're basically racketeering, but mm-hmm. yes. It's great. We're holding your episodes <laughs> hostage for Patreon money. No. This is America. <laughs> <laughs> You're in Trump's America now. You have to pay for content. Down with net oh. neutrality. God oh, damn it. God damn it. Had yeah, to you slip guys, it in there. If, <laughs> if Comcast destroys the internet as we know it, like tomorrow, it's been real. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We've loved every second of this. <laughs> we're going to go back to old timey radio and we're all going to get like little transmitters in our houses and just do it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> No editing. That actually could be amazing. Down I'm gonna with like neutrality. Like, like an Edison phonograph <laughs> yes. with like the huge trumpet thing coming out the top. You gotta wind it up. Oh my god. Our episodes would be five hours long. Uh, yeah. Oh my, and my dog Burke would be operating that little wind crank on 
<laughs> You're working for your it. kibble, you little bastard. I can see it so clearly. His oh. Viagra pills are very expensive, so he should get a part-time job. <laughs> His Viagra. <laughs> anyway, enough about Dan. Just kidding. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Moving on. Let's talk um, about what we're drinking today. Yeah, yes. Amanda, what's our wine crime pairing for organized crime? This week, <laughs> we're drinking the 2016 Chop Shop Chabernet. <laughs> Chabernet. <laughs> Chop Shop Chabernet. Cabernet. Chabernet. Chabernet. From Wink Wine Club. Oh. And it's if you, delicious. If you haven't already joined Wink Wine Club, head over to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash G-A-L-S gals to get 20 bucks off your first order. They quiz you a little bit on what your taste preferences are, and you can choose from hundreds of varietals from beautiful small lot vineyards around the world that they deliver straight to you motherfucking door it's the best thing in the world yeah and that's my as song about as there's someone to sign for it who's over 21 with a government issued id and if there isn't you can redirect it to your local walgreens where you pick up your plugs and your insulin and your bottles of wine so everybody do it it's the funnest time okay we wrote that we wrote that song. <laughs> <clears throat> this particular cab, <laughs> Cabernet is from the Paso Robles region of California. Uh, that region has approximately 40,000 vineyard acres planted with wine grapes and is well known for Zinfandel, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Rhone-style wines. Mm, we nice, have nice, we deep, featured rich red wine. Yeah, we featured a handful of cabs, and this one is pretty traditional. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. Um, it's robust. It has hints of leather. It's a little less jammy than I prefer. Um, and I actually <laughs> have gotten this bottle in my Wink box twice, so I have tasted this um, already. We're going to be opening another bottle of it today. And I found it to be surprisingly acidic for a Cabernet. So I would highly recommend opening this bottle about an hour before you drink it or even going balls to the wall and decanting this bad boy. So let's talk about decanting for a moment. Uh, Decanting is literally just pouring the wine from one vessel into a different vessel. So from its bottle into like an open air pitcher and they make some fancy ones that are shaped in such a way to do the decanter's job better. Um, yeah, they're fat bottom girls. Mm-hmm. And yes. the, there are a couple reasons for the shape of that decanter and for why you decant in the first place. The first one being to separate wine from sediment. So the shape of the decanter has a lot to do with this. Um, especially older vintage bottles that have been aging, they're going to accumulate sediment in the bottom of the bottle. Um, and then... The other reason is to aerate the wine and just open it up to oxygen. Um, This act of slowly pouring the wine from the bottle into the decanter helps it take in oxygen. And, um, excuse me, that'll open up the aromas and the flavors and just kind of mellow out some of the acidity. So highly tannic and full-bodied wines benefit the most from this, from decanting. So that would be wines just like Cab Sauvs, um, Cabernet Blends, Syrah, and Syrah Blends. They typically tend to be a little more tannic and acidic and just 
simply decanting them helps kind of mellow them out a little bit. Um, also, every decanter I've ever owned has swiftly turned into a flower vase. Yep. So <laughs> they're so pretty. Mm-hmm. I know. So now just a I nice presentation. Like understanding what their actual purpose is, mm-hmm. so I can get back to. And if you've using ever them. wondered why um, certain varietals are in differently shaped wine bottles, like Pinot Noirs are going to have those like kind of chubbier more like my body type bottles where they start a little thin at the top <laughs> and then they, yep, they pair. Um, and then Cabernets are going to be in bottles that are just basically cylindrical with the, with the nozzle at the top. Um, these bottles are designed to uh, contribute to some of that aeration as the wine comes out of the bottle and also to catch sediment. So wine bottles that are like that cylindrical kind of stout where they sharply turn into the the spout at the top, that is yeah. meant to catch some sediment before it pours out of the bottle and into your glass. But lighter reds like Pinot Noir, they're in those sort of like sexy shaped pear shaped bottles. There's not nearly as much sediment in those wines, so they don't need to have that like catch all bottle. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool, huh? I like I that. that so much. I don't. You're so smart. I've been in the restaurant biz for 15 You're years. You're the most smartest. The most smartest. <laughs> the best damn tapper. Okay, I am using our nice pop signature wine key because I just received mine. Let's see. They're so nice. I I love them. Yeah, it's really freaking cute. Oh, here we go. Ready? Can't wait to get mine in five months. Yeah, ready. (laughs) She's not bitter about the postal service of South Africa (laughs) at all. One, two, three. our best pop right. yet. Yeah. All Cheers, right. well, After that amazing pop, it's hard to follow up, but Lucy, what's our background in psych for organized crime? Yeah, I'd really hate to follow that act. I know. I'm <laughs> dreading it a little. <laughs> this episode, as all episodes are, brought to you by Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> okay. So this definition, as usual, is lifted straight off of Wikipedia, but I'm a donor, so I don't care. I'm doing it. Did you know that Um, if everybody gave $3 to Wikipedia, it would (laughs) propel them into many more years of offering free online (laughs) dictionarial services, encyclopedia services? I also Mm -hmm. feel like in this fucking net neutrality bullshit age, Mm -hmm. like, that's a very worthy investment. Yeah, we're yeah. really going to need that $3 Patreon donation now because we're going to have to pay for, like, top-tier Comcast Everything. in order to oh fucking get our content to you. Ugh, what a God racket. I hate Trump. Speaking of rackets, organized okay. crime <laughs> is yeah. a defined as a category of transnational, national, or local groupings of highly centralized enterprises run by criminals who intend to engage in illegal activity most commonly for money and profit. So us. Yeah. <laughs> Soon we will be transnational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are transnational. We're yeah. just we got still that. sort of legal. Oh, that's true. Mm, yeah. yeah, don't tell the IRS. Okay. 
So these types <laughs> <What>? of groups <laughs> can and do include terrorist organizations, mm. uh, mobsters, like, you know, what comes to everyone's mind, as we see in movies, um, like extorting money from local shopkeepers for protective services in a particular neighborhood, etc. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, these groups can be referred to as the mafia, the mob, uh, a crime syndicate, or or it could just be like the general criminal underworld. Mm. Like there's lots of different categories for organized crime. In my case, we talk it's a lot of crime family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's a certain type of uh, organization. Like that's a certain organizational type of organized crime. Speaking it's of like crime a family. Kenyon, I think you knew this, but when I was living in Rochester, New York, way upstate, I Mm -hmm. was in college classes with the granddaughter of Jimmy the Hammer Massaro, who was like, he was some of the like uh, muscle for a famous Rochester like crime, organized crime ring, and he was found dead in the trunk of his own car. So that's pretty cool. Oh, (laughs) Oh, classic. Mm -hmm. Classic, the hammer. Yep. (laughs) You scamp, you get yourself into so many pickles. Pickles. (laughs) In the trunk of your own car, you little scamp, you rascal. What were you thinking? I just... Just to drive Lucy insane, I have an anecdote. Okay. Um, (laughs) When I lived in Boston, uh, my my family came to visit and we took a tour, like a guided tour of the North End, which is like the, you know, the mafia Mm. Italian part of the city. I think it was the North End. I hate Boston. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I love Boston. <laughs> really good so. cannoli. That's all I remember. <laughs> and um, <laughs> as we were on this like guided walk, we're standing outside of this apartment building, and the tour guide points up to this apartment with a light on, and she's like, "See that apartment? So and so lives there, and he was the son of this mobster, and then he became a mobster himself, and..." And then he was in prison, and he just got out of prison like six months ago, and he moved back to this same apartment where his family had previously lived, and she's going on and on talking about this guy and pointing, and we're all looking up. And as she's talking, this person comes out from the back of the building and gets into like this pink Cadillac that's parked in the back parking lot (laughs) and drives down the street, and the tour guide just goes white as just as a sheet and it's completely silent and she's like well that was him um we should be moving on um <laughs> that's amazing one more anecdote no oh, no <laughs> god damn it okay Okay, so there's some element of extra-legal protection or quasi-legal enforcement, but it's basically it's like a very disciplined gang. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into the differences between, like, the mafia and, like, gangs. There's some differences. Um, So one major example that we need to talk about is the mafia because it's kind of what most, at least Americans, think of when they think of organized crime. Um, So the term mafia generally refers to the Sicilian mafia. That was the original mafia. And after that came the Italian-American mafia, which is what most people think of. 
Um, at first, I thought it might be kind of racist to refer to the mafia as strictly Italian, but the term mafia originally derives from the Sicilian adjective mafiusu, oh. which roughly translates to swagger or bravado, fearless, proud, or enterprising. But <laughs> you guys amazing. are going to love this. <laughs> Enterprising. When, when referenced to a feminine person, mafiusa, it just means beautiful. But also okay. fucking patriarchy, because why can't we be proud and enterprising too, for fuck's sake? Yeah. You know what? what? You know what? We are, and that's beautiful. Nice save, <gasps> Kenyon. Good one. I feel a lot better now. I pre-gamed a little bit. I'm a little bit further along than the two of you. Casual, casual Monday. Sunday. <laughs> oh, it's Cheers Monday. Is it Monday? To a casual oh, Monday. It. <laughs> it's 11 a.m., 11.30-ish here, and I have no plans today, and I'm getting a day drunk, bitches. Call the mafia. Day drunk. Please don't call the mafia. Please don't call the mafia. <laughs> we really do need a soundboard. Uh, so Amanda and our friend Scott and I were watching my family foosball tournament at amazing. the holiday party. And we so were intense. just kneeling down at one end of the foosball table just chanting jock jams and TLC <laughs> and like and your mom was like I the want bring you to it make on me cheers. a mix of those cheers yeah, they were so good how did everyone know those down. cheers she wanted me to write down the names of all the songs it was so cute and Scott was like I know what I'm getting your mom for Christmas yeah jock a jams volume jock jams, jock jams. that's literally what she wants <laughs> The YMCA so song in particular. Yep. And like, no how scrubs. How did you all know those? <laughs> yeah. Sang all the way through no scrubs from like beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> we got really drunk at my family Christmas party. It yeah, was amazing. they know. They saw the video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to mafiusa. Mafi. Mafioso. Mafiusu. Is Mufasa. it Usu or Oso? Mafiusu is the original is adjective. U? Yeah, it's an adjective, though. So. Mufasa. Oh, okay. Moving on. <laughs> okay. So this influx of Italians in, t- in the U.S. started after the Civil War when the country lost, A, its slave labor from African Americans, and B, a lot of its white European workforce because they were all killed in the Civil War. Mm. So mm-hmm. inflow of immigrants, as is common with any inflow of immigrants to the United States... Uh, previously naturalized citizens began referring to this new group of Americans who speak a a little different language, maybe look a little different, with disdain, and Mm. over time shortened this admirable term, mafiusu, to just mafia. Mm, Okay. And then the stereotypes just went rampant from there. Let the stereotypes begin! (laughs) (laughs) But also there's this element, um, in the late 19th century, there were kind of shaky labor laws. So the padrones, which Mm. is Italian for, like, the supervisors, Mm -hmm. the jefes, Mm -hmm. of businesses could kind of, like, operate kind of however they wanted to. Mm. (laughs) And over time, and particularly in urban areas, these Italian business owners became untrustworthy, but still recognized and respected. So eventually this, yeah, grew into a type of intimidating Italian business owner stereotypes that was glorified over time in the movies as the mafia. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how that whole concept started. 
Okay. Um, okay, so back to general organized crimes. There are methods of committing crimes in an organized fashion, such as mil- like the military, mm-hmm. um, big corporations, that could be considered criminal organizations, but the difference is that these factions derive their power from their status as formal social institutions. Okay. So when we yes, talk so about legal. organized crime, right, well, yeah, they're recognized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about uh, organized crime, that's kind of derived from certain failures of the state or fractures in governance where uh, a kind of independent law can sort of take hold. Mm, okay. Yeah, so sure. that's, that's that's the difference. Um, an example can include when a failed state begins to fold and there's like alternate alternative modes of education or security, um, you know, like when your country's collapsing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah. you need, like, I more localized... Know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and then oligarchy comes into play when there are a few families that are in control of such informal institutions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not always families, as we yeah. will discuss, but it's, like, just factions, you know, mm-hmm. a few in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so this happens all the time in many countries around the world when one power transitions to another. But uh, if we're talking about just in the U.S., um, we established the Organized Crime Control Act in 1970 to define the structural process of criminal activity as racketeering, mm. which is just defined as organized illegal activity. Okay. Oh, okay. So I never knew what racketeering was because it actually the definition of it is actually... Kind of vague. Yeah, it's like it an is. Umbrella term. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Oh, okay. And there are okay. a l- there are different ways that they ha- that racketeering has to be proven in the court. Um, I'll get to that in just a second. But just a side note: the biggest organized crime threat in the U.S. right now is Mexican drug cartels. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not the Italian mob necessarily anymore. And to us <laughs> Northerners, the biggest Mexican cartel threat to us is lime and avocado pricing. Going way up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone out there afraid of becoming a drug mule. Yeah, because there have been consistent uh, hijackings of these trucks that are importing these products from the south, from Mexico across the border into the U.S., and they get hijacked and oftentimes used to transport, like, primarily cocaine. Drugs. Oh, and it so has really. I assumed mm-hmm. it was a global warming thing. Mm, it has had a lot to do with with drugs. Damn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, my Taco Tuesdays are really taking a hit, so I'd soups appreciate mm-hmm. if you guys cut it out. Yeah. Could out. you yeah. not? I would <laughs> much rather have a consistent, steady supply of uh, guacamole than cocaine. <laughs> I mean, and margaritas. cocaine's pretty great. I mean. <laughs> But if I'm getting I've neither, heard. I've heard. If I'm getting I've neither, heard, heard. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so also in 1970, uh, Congress passed the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Law, known as RICO, which Woo. we've probably all heard of. Suave. RICO. Um, <laughs> RICO Sorry, has what? been used <laughs> to prosecute white collar crimes, political corruption, fraud, etc. On top of like you know, mafia, mm-hmm. mob, mob bosses and whatever. 
someone in um, my case was the very first person to be charged under RICO. Oh, my. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I thought that was interesting is that you have to prove in court under RICO uh, is that the activities had an effect on interstate commerce, meaning that they have to have like impacted. They have to have impact exactly impacted the economy and or moved substantial money or goods across state lines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, like, if you just keep it in your own neighborhood, I don't think you can be prosecuted under RICO. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, Which that makes weird. sense because then, like, any fucking run of the mill pot dealer working yeah. with yeah, you can't, any like, number of other Rico. pot. Yeah, like, that's just stupid. Well, one of the other main priorities of that specific law is because organized crime has, it's just a huge network of criminals, you could gather all of them into the same um, suit. Mm, and, okay. like, it's just one trial for all of it that was like a major reason for passing that law so yeah then that makes sense that they'd kind of want it to be big enough where it was not just in your neighborhood yep (laughs) like it's got to be proven that it's like a network uh does that mean the fbi gets involved uh i think so because it's a federal act like you couldn't invoke rico in just a state i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm not a fucking lawyer yeah. Uh, the punishment for racketeering under the RICO Act is up to 20 years for prison, in prison for each count, uh, but racketeering is punishable by life imprisonment if the predicate crime is punishable by life imprisonment. So, like, if there was murder or kidnapping involved, then it's more than 20 years for that count. Yeah. Makes but the sense. Racket, the racketeering itself is up to 20 years for each count. Um, so then I got into sort of like the different ways that these groups are organized. So one way is called patron client network, which where the interaction that's, this is what would be like the mafia, Mm -hmm. um, where interactions are more like social fluid, typically operate in smaller units within a larger network. There's tight knit relationships Mm -hmm. and often, Mm -hmm. uh, family. Yeah, personalized activities like feuds between families, nepotism, territory disputes. Like, that's like family, you know. And a lot of unspoken rules. Yeah. A lot of things, yeah, like a lot of traditions. um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're a lot more allegiance because it's your family. Like, that's your. The day of my daughter's wedding. Right? Yep. Like that, right? Let's just wait yeah. for it. Yep. <laughs> I ring. fucking love Godfather 1 and 2, 3 is garbage. Don't bother watching it. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I'm more of a Goodfellas. I'm more of a Goodfellas. Yeah. Godfather is yeah. real slow. Wham. Yeah. And that wedding scene is just really violent. I don't know. I don't like it. I also yeah. like The Departed. I'm a big Departed oh, fan. Oh, so good. What do you got to period? Uh... <laughs> Okay. (laughs) So there are also bureaucratic and corporate operations, which would fall into the category of organized crime. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's very impersonal, corporate. There's extensive rules, um, a large division of labor between classes, and, like, top-down communication. So 
this is a much less secure way, like mode of organized crime because of the impersonal nature and the size of the organization. Um, they're also vulnerable to um, getting caught from like you have to leave a paper trail. Mm. Like there's document, uh. everything's documented. Yeah. And just just the impersonal nature just it's it's a little more vulnerable. Um, so an example or a couple examples of this type of organization could be cybercrime. Oh, you know okay. the Russian nerds, the mm-hmm. network of Russian nerds. They're not related. They're not meeting in person. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like anonymous or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, drug traffickers, um, sex trafficking, human and immigration trafficking. So, like, those types of networks. Mm. The, like, like the, to be clear, some of these organized crime family types do dabble in those other activities. Oh, of in course. sex trafficking. And, yeah, and, I mean, there's yeah. overlap. I mean, yeah. there's overlap. But, that, but these are some examples of that kind of impersonal, top-down hierarchy kinds of organizations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the other uh, kind of category is street gangs or youth gangs. Hoodlums. Youths. Youths. Rascals. Mm-hmm. Scamps. They're uh, defined by their recruiting strategies, their methods being modeled after like what they learn in usually youth corrective institutions. Mm. So uh, like these are kids who have been getting in trouble since they're young and then they get out and they kind of model their organizations after the, the hierarchies that they learned in oh, the corrective institutions. actually. Prison. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Juvie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are also characterized by, like, turf wars, lots of violence. It's just like, it's, it's like a grassroots <laughs> organized crime. Wow. Um, I feel like that will be its own episode mm-hmm. someday. It's got to be. Baby yeah. crimes. Um, so, baby. <laughs> oh, Jesus no. Christ, we're not calling it baby crimes. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna cut baby you off. crimes. <laughs> baby oh, crimes. Let's put a pin in this discussion. Crimes and, of the baby boy. Uh, <laughs> I just have one one more cool thing to talk about. I got into the psychology a little bit of like why you would be part of. Uh, I'm joking, I'm the sorry. mob. <laughs> um, so psychologically, there's there's a lower perceived risk because you're joining a group, and an increased personal benefit because of the structure of the organization. There's opportunities for advancement. Mm. Like you, you, yeah. The the risk reward is it, it seems to be in your favor if you're joining a group like this. Yeah, and it's very specialized, so you don't have to like. Think of the crime, plan the crime, carry out the crime, cover your tracks. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like whatever. working. You just, it's you literally just like working for a piece. company, and you get yeah. like upward mobility within the company. Yep. And yeah. A lot of these situations prey on people who do not have close bonds necessarily with their own families, or like, like you said, biological kid, families. Yeah. People yeah. in like juvenile detention. Situations, it's that's a huge driving force, but behind gang activity in general is just like feeling like you have a place where you belong, feeling like people are going to protect you, um, yeah, being the, rewarded the, for carrying out tasks with like positive reinforcement and being made to feel special. The interpersonal relationships 
aspect of joining a group is like a big thing. Also, another perceived benefit is uh, protection for your family and yeah. your loved ones. Yeah. Um, there's also and the the socioeconomic influence, and then like the freedom from what some would consider oppressive norms and laws. Mm-hmm. Like you're all of a sudden exempt from that. You're in your own community with your own rules. Mm-hmm. That's appealing yeah. to a lot of people, especially. Um, I mean, you think about the Italian mafia. They were persecuted. There yeah. were, you know, especially yeah. when they first got Discriminated here. Discriminated so. against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they that were was shut appealing. Out from, like the mainstream economy. They yeah. couldn't get normal jobs. They, Did, you know, maybe if they had enough capital to start their own businesses, they could. But mm-hmm. for those who didn't have assets to get started from, you know, and You're they fucked. couldn't get hired, this was an option for them. Mm-hmm. So ditto exactly for um, maybe lower economic uh, neighborhoods and young kids who ha- don't have role, good role models in their parents. They can't get a job. They don't have an education. There's <clears throat> that whole, you know, cycle of in and out of mm-hmm. corrective institutions. Like, this offers an alternative. Mm-hmm. And once again, we are siding with the criminals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Empathizing always. with the always. criminals. Big time. <laughs> also, I just want to point out uh, to our listeners who are not from Minnesota and might not know this factoid, um, Minnesota was so heavily settled by uh, Scandinavian immigrants that yeah. uh, discrimination within and amongst Scandinavian immigrants became a thing. So instead of signs in window <laughs> shops at the turn of the century, like in the rest of America, that said, like, Irish need not apply and things mm-hmm. like that, the discrimination in Minnesota was Swedes need <laughs> not apply. Like, well, then no one's going to work for you. <laughs> We're all Swedes now. I'm a Norwegian. I'm a Swede. I'm yeah. in. I'm a French my Swede. Family's, my family's Norwegian, so my grandma <laughs> had a lot to say about the Swedes and the Danes and the Finns. Oh, Lord. Um, and the Poles. The Polacks. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's my segment. Nicely done. Woo. Yeah. All right. Well, if you well, are tempted to join yeah. the mob... And feel or like you have like nowhere no else to turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've already joined the mob and you've seen some shit. And you want to get out. Um, if you yeah. were responsible for the hammer's demise, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might if have something to get off your chest. Locked anyone in a trunk. <laughs> um, you might want to think about joining Talkspace. Yes, please. Amanda, <laughs> what is Talkspace? Talkspace is an online therapy company that makes stuff convenient and affordable. <laughs> Kenyon does this part. Yeah. Easy, convenient, and affordable to connect you with a licensed, qualified therapist. Nailed it. I love um, it. It's awesome. I accidentally awesome. didn't talk to my therapist for three days because I was so busy with work, and she, like, sent a smoke signal being like, are you okay? Is everything all right? Did I upset you? And I was like, no. I yeah. literally just barely looked at my phone for three days. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she's amazing. She's so intuitive. She's like, she checks in on me every day. 
It's awesome. I totally love it. They care. They really care. Mm -hmm. It's it's really amazing. All three of us use Talkspace, and we couldn't be happier. And I love being able to text whenever because I hate talking on the phone, and I hate leaving my house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I do too. A hermit? Yeah, agoraphobic. Um, I'm just laughing about how true that is. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. You get a text and um, it's just, it's on your terms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's therapy for you on your terms, yep. which I really love. It's so um, great. So yeah, if you use the promo code GALS, uh, you can get $30 off your first month, which makes it extra affordable because mm-hmm. it's already Way cheaper than traditional therapy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check out uh, talkspace.com forward slash gals. We love it. Treat mm, your brain. Treat your brain. You won't regret treat it. Treat it. Treat your brain. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I would like to take you all back <laughs> to Philadelphia <laughs> in the Most 1980s. Most of your cases start with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not that imaginative. I love it. <laughs> Climb into the time machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hot tub <laughs> time <laughs> machine. <laughs> Worst I'm movie do ever. Ocean sounds. Okay. Okay. Perfect for Philadelphia. So. <laughs> Um, That was the bell. (laughs) (laughs) Angelo Bruno, a.k.a. the Gentle Don, was not your average mob boss. I thought you said Gentle Dong, and I got really excited. I did, too. Love a Gentle Dong. Dreams crushed, but thanks anyway. He probably also had a Gentle Dong. Mm -hmm. He was just a gentle man. Mm. Um... Okay, but you never know. Could be a freak in the sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> many said that he was, quote, more of a grandfather than a godfather. Okay. Um, because he was a devoted family man in the traditional sense. Um, he was 97 this- years old. <laughs> he was literally ancient. <laughs> a walking mummy. He had a walker. And three hospice nurses flanking him at all times. And a gentle dong. He had a very gentle, <laughs> soft dong. Um, Are we close? Feather. Are we hitting the nail um, on the head? Or? I, don't, I don't think he was all that old, but I loved the characterization nonetheless. Um, okay, so his gentle reputation uh, <laughs> earned him his nickname the gentle don uh, bruno was born in sicily in 1910 and i want you all to take a minute to go look at uh, a photo oh, on no. the drive and oh, this will no. be on the blog of course wine and crime podcast deck can oh my Dick god can. do you see young angelo bruno he looks like little Bose? lord fauntleroy <laughs> he really does. Isn't that so cute? That is really cute. There are a really lot of cute. really disturbing photos here, and I don't think I'm finding the right one. Oh, there he is, little Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> there are a lot of yeah. disturbing photos here. I'm very curious <laughs> yeah. where this is all going. Yeah. Look at that oh, we'll bow. we'll get to it. That the bows are is amazing. an outfit. Yeah. I, Look at this yeah. tiny little yeah. book. It's little so catechism. Cute. 
Yeah, Gen even person. if you don't typically go visit our blog uh, for photos for the cases, I would suggest you make an exception for this case because <laughs> it is uh, awesome. Yeah, it is. And I don't, it. I don't want to look at the other ones. They're really, gr- and I love don't gross look things. Don't look yet. I will uh, stage manage you to the photos that you need to see. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, uh, Bruno moved uh, to America as a young man and uh, started a small grocery store, which he built up from scratch, and eventually it earned him millions. All right. So he's a very successful businessman. Get American it, dream. Uh, <laughs> make that paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, despite Money moves. his... <laughs> Despite his uh, business sense, uh, his inclinations, or maybe because of his business sense, his inclinations turned to organized crime. Mm-hmm. Natch. Um, yeah. So he was a close associate of the infamous fellow Sicilian Carlo Gambino. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. Um, who, in 1957, seized control of the commission. Um, and the commission was the governing body of the American mafia. Um, so it was comprised of representatives from the five New York crime families, um, as well as uh, smaller cities like Chicago, Buffalo, Philly, Detroit, Pittsburgh, you know, whatever, all these different outfits. Okay. So it's like literally like a, a board. Okay, like of directors? Yeah, it was like a board of directors of the mafia. Wow. Cool. And they, like, all the major decisions they had to, like, reach consensus and vote and all this stuff. Respectful. Um, I like it. Yeah. Democratic. So, it's kind of amazing that it happened, but it was to stop, like, infighting and bloodshed amongst all these different crime families and, and to, like, lay out the rules and the turfs and everything. Right. It's like the Um, UN. Kind of. A little bit. Okay, so this personal connection that Bruno had to Gambino uh, propelled him to become the head of the Philadelphia crime family. Mm -hmm. So he was like boys with this really powerful mobster, and then he became a powerful mobster in Philly. Okay. Um, Under Bruno's wise and calm leadership... Um, Atlantic City came to be known as the Philadelphia crime family's turf. Yes. Okay. So they were, it was a big, Philly was a big deal uh, because they also had Atlantic City and it wasn't a total shithole then. Yeah. So, props. Bruno kept a very low profile. He lived modestly. He avoided the spotlight. um, And he kept violence to a minimum. So, like, law enforcement was basically more inclined to just look the other way because he was keeping things kind of chugging along peacefully. Sure. They were taking care of their own shit. Yeah. Um, And this approach enabled him and his close associates to mostly avoid prison um, with the exception of a short stint that he served in the mid-70s for refusing to testify about mob business at trial. Mm, That'll do it. Um, Mm -hmm. So... He ain't no snitch. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, so the gentle Don preferred traditional mob money-making schemes such as labor racketeering, illegal gambling, running numbers, mm-hmm. low like sharking. cooking the books. 
Yeah. Also, loan sharking and infiltrating legitimate businesses for purposes of extortion, protection, racketeering, and money laundering. Okay. Okay, so just like classic mob stuff that we talked about at the top. Yeah. Classic. Typical um, mob stuff. I don't know, just girly things. Classic mob stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Mom. <laughs> it's girls' night. Um, <laughs> Casual Tuesday. <laughs> But in the late 1970s and early 80s, uh, society was changing rapidly, and along with it, organized crime. To the kick drum. Come, come. New drugs like heroin and methamphetamines were spreading like wildfire. Um, the and good these were stuff. Mostly uncontrolled and unchecked markets. Yep. Okay. Um, so many in the Philadelphia crime family felt that the organization needed to cash in and start to control this lucrative trade. Uh, but Bruno was squeamish about pushing heavy drugs. And mm-hmm. this was for a couple of reasons. One, um, drug trafficking crimes carried much harsher prison sentences than, like, running numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very definite so- crime. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no yes. gray area. <laughs> yeah. And, and it can actually, like... Kill people. People. Yeah. Instead of yeah. just exchanging money, you know? Um, so Bruno didn't like the thought of people working for him being caught and locked away for decades at a time. Mm-hmm. Because as it was, like, even if people got caught, they were locked away for, like, two years. Yeah. 18 months. And you know, and it didn't, like, ruin their lives. It was like, okay, you're going to go in for a little bit, but then you're going to come out and still work for me, and your life is going to be fine, and your family's, your kids are going to be yeah, fine. Yeah, we're going to take whatever. care of your, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as yeah, we but, saw in Goodfellas, their area inside the prison, they're very well taken care of. I'm sure that's yeah, yeah. totally accurate. Totally true. I think some of it actually is true, that they they had, you know, very special privileges in yeah. prisons. Okay. Um, I don't know about that, but basically he didn't like the idea of someone working for him getting caught and then being locked away for 30 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just was like a change to the game mm-hmm. that he wasn't about. Um, but also, he was a devoted husband and father, and um, he, you know, wanted to protect his community from the ravages of these drugs. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the subplots of the movie American Gangster, which is so fucking good, and Mm. I want to watch it this afternoon. Mm -hmm. It might be. I mean, this guy's a big deal. It's like a really famous case. I just don't know much about the mob, so... Yeah, that's fair. I don't don't know when it's been depicted, but it would not surprise me if this was, you know, if the movie was based off this. Um... Okay, so he didn't really... He just wasn't about it. He mm-hmm. just didn't want to get involved in drugs, especially not heroin and meth. And, like, props to him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. those... If you're going to name two real shitty drugs... Oh, that'll fuck you up immediately. After the first... Not even meth. once is a catchphrase for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I admire especially, his integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, in making this call, uh, Bruno angered a lot of the members of his own organization... Um, because he allowed the Gambino family, which he was close to, mm-hmm. to control the heroin trade on his turf okay. in South Jersey. So he was like, look, I don't want anything to do with it. 
you can do this one type of crime on my turf mm-hmm. and throw me some kickbacks, but I want nothing to do with it. Okay. Yeah. Compromise. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the and the people in hit in the Philadelphia crime family under working under him were like, "What the hell? We're missing out on all this money." Mm-hmm. So this would be a fatal mistake. Oh no. Oh. So the gentle dons number two, his consigliere. Gentle dongs number two. <laughs> Aggressive don. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aggressive don. Oh god. <laughs> Actually, well, uh, he was a man named Tony Bananas. <laughs> what? <laughs> that That's is not a name. Don. That's a dessert. <laughs> at like Applebee's. <laughs> Tony Bananas Foster. Tony Bananas, half price at Applebee's during happy hour. (laughs) That was his nickname, but he was born um, Antonio Rocco (laughs) Caponegro. He's a dessert drink. Oh my God, I love him. He's a mudslide. His fucking nickname was Bananas. Tony Bananas. So I had to choose this case. I'm opening a restaurant called Tony Bananas, and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Um, definitely on the I'm, Applebee's menu. Yep. I'm definitely dressing up as Tony Bananas for Halloween next year. Uh, I want my next year Halloween costume to come from my case, too. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a Halloween costume that requires an extensive explanation. Yep, my fave. <laughs> that you decide on in December. Yep. We're going to forget about this in two days. Says you. Listeners. Remind us. Yeah, set your clocks. Tony Bananas. (laughs) Tony fucking Bananas. Um, Go to the photos. I'm afraid. (laughs) There's one photo of... He's insane um, looking. He looks like... Oh my God. He looks like a Disney villain from like 1931. (laughs) It's it's real bad. He Everything looks, about it is bad. He has such a strong <laughs> brow and such a beak-like nose. He looks like if the bottom of a sandal came to life. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Ooh. And his plaid jacket isn't helping things with like a black yeah. turtleneck. I like the one he that's was... just the picture of him and next to it, it just says, Bananas! <laughs> I didn't have much time for the labeling. I, I just needed to get to the point. Love Bananas. it so much. Bananas. Bananas. <laughs> In big yellow okay. letters. Bananas. Oh, this so. makes me want some Kahlua really bad. Mm, that'd be so good. Yeah. Oh, I just bought some Kahlua. I'm so excited. Bitch. Oh, share. Later. I could kill a white Russian right now. Oh, that sounded uh-huh. bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't even think about I meant that. Drink oh. it really quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A Russian sure grave digger right now. I could um, kill a white <laughs> Russian. Oh my god, I'm gonna create a white Russian <laughs> with like Oreo sprinkles and call it a Russian grave digger. Oh. Yes. Yes. You're me. Yeah. Uh, we need a Russians themed episode which we pair with white Russians. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All and right. top it with sprinkles. Let's not let everyone see how the magic is made, ladies. Um, you mean the sausage is made. giving away all our secrets. <laughs> how the sausage is made. Let's have a sausage episode, you guys. Done. I'm on it. I will take point on that episode. Sausage crimes. 
<laughs> you guys, I was talking to a girl last night at a holiday party, and she was a vegetarian for eight years, and then she just decided not to be a vegetarian anymore. Yep. So to celebrate mm-hmm. her not eating Freedom. meat again, she ha- she held a meat shower. Incredible. Like no. a baby shower. And people brought and her everybody meat. Brought Did she meat. register? <laughs> Probably. That's fucking brilliant. A meat <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. All right. All right. Bananas. 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 All right. Bananas. Bananas. So, while it was Bananas who ordered the hit on Bruno, (laughs) and in my my notes I have A2 Bananas. (laughs) I don't get it. Because French is stupid. It's Latin. (laughs) That still means French is stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> like A2 Brute and Julius Caesar. Oh, I get His it. best friend Brutus kills him, uh-huh. and then he turns yeah. around. He's like, you too, Brutus. Uh-huh. Motherfucker. A2 Bananas. I read. Which I'm going <laughs> to. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the coffee mugs. I'm putting it on everything. Whether I can be involved or not. You can get on board or not, but it's happening. I need um, a bracelet that says A2 Bananas. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> so, it was Bananas who ordered the hit on Bruno, but it's important to understand that ordering a hit on one's superior is not a decision to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. In fact... Hits at that level, because Bruno was in charge of that whole crime family. Yeah. So hits at that level need to be sanctioned by the commission. Oh, my God. Oh. They need the whole sign-off from the whole gang. They need the sign-off from the board of directors. That's insane. Damn. Um, Does it have to be unanimous, or is it like a majority vote? I don't know the answer, but I think I would assume majority (laughs) vote, but I don't know. Okay. Okay, but bananas had been instructed in pajamas are coming down the stairs. (laughs) Bananas in pajamas. (laughs) Sorry. I love chasing chasing teddy bears. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bananas had been instructed to kill Bruno by a member of the commission, uh, and this was Alphonse Frank Funzi. Thierry. Just for funsy. F- Just for funsy. <laughs> oh my god. Did he wear and a onesie? <laughs> <laughs> funsy was the boss of the New York Genovese family. So he was one of the main five. He was part of the P5 of the commission. Funsy onesie was a bear? <laughs> yeah. Uh, funsy in his onesie and bananas in his pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great sleepover in the works here, you guys. We really do. <laughs> Pillow fight. <laughs> take a minute. Take a minute to go look at the photo of Funzy on the drive. No. There's only one. Is it labeled Funzy? Yep. I can't find him. Oh, I like how he's spelled. F-U-N-Z-I. Funzy. Funzy. <clears throat> I love him, and that will be I, my Halloween costume. He looks 
exactly like my grandfather. Like he's the glasses. 200 years old he's, with slick backed hair perfect. And, and big 70s huge, grandma glasses. Yeah, sunglasses. Square like ombre yeah. 70s sunglasses. <laughs> that hairline is incredible. And just a completely flat line of a mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frog no mouth. No lips. Ugh. Toad mouth. Liver spots galore. Yeah, it looks like Mr. Oh, Burns. Yeah. A, co- a constellation of liver spots. <laughs> he's, he's just perfection. I love him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's funzy. Um, so he does not look like he's having funsies. He's not having any funsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, my so god. Gambling had recently been legalized in Atlantic City and the profits were skyrocketing for the Philadelphia outfit which controlled that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but Funzy from a New York family wanted to have a piece of the Atlantic City pie. Um, so, and Bruno the head of the Philadelphia outfit outfit didn't want to share Atlantic City gambling profits. Nope. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Makes that's sense. The, that's the jam. On uh, March 21st, 1980, Angelo Bruno, the gentle Don, the gentle dong, <laughs> was <laughs> killed with a shotgun blast to the back of his head oh, while God. sitting in the passenger seat of a vehicle parked in front of his family's home mm. in South Philly. Ick. And this is the photo. Ick. Yeah. Yeah, it's nasty. There are nasty. a lot of photos. It's real nasty. I am going to put them on the blog because this dude was a fucking mobster mm-hmm. who killed people, so... I feel like it is appropriate mm-hmm. to have photos of his corpse. Well, and it's definitely not the most gruesome thing we've ever seen. Like, let's be right. real. Fucking Russian dolls. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The dolls were the... We started, we started out rough. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Well, just because I'm so fascinated by, like, blood spatter and ballistics, mm-hmm. I'm just staring at this photo, picturing a shotgun blast to the back of the head, and this is a photo of the front of his head. And his mouth yep. open. How much blood probably came out of there? Yeah, like, his mouth is wide open. It looks like he's, like, yawning. Mm-hmm. It's but super like, creepy. There's... It's not normal. Mm-mm. Yeah. Damn. It's pretty intense. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, So Bruno was beloved in the neighborhood by everyone that he wasn't extorting for money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. He was was practically given a state funeral. Um, And it's widely believed that his driver was in on it because the driver escaped the attack unscathed. Mm. And the window of the passenger seat was rolled down. Really? So they think that the driver and the car had had automatic windows, which was kind of amazing for a car in 1980. Mm-hmm. That was my but, first question. Yeah. So the driver rolled down the passenger window and the person, the shooter was able to mm-hmm. like come in from the back seat. Very must curious. Have, have, yeah, and shoot huh. him kind of from the back. Okay. Um as police blocked off the crime scene, Bruno's body was left sitting on ghastly display in the vehicle for hours <gasps> as crowds of people came to gawk. Oh, my God. And Looking at that, yeah. like, what is in that yeah. picture? 
Yeah. Holy shikies. For hours, and the whole neighborhood came out. That's so. Just gross. because I mean, why? I mean, why? Because he was so all, famous. Well, because there's if someone. I mean, let's be real. If there was a murder mm-hmm. and there's a dead body sitting in a car in your neighborhood, would you not go and gawk for hours? Oh, I definitely fuck would. yeah, I would. Yeah. But it's just weird yeah. that they didn't. You know, cordon it off so that they could do an investigation. Well, I mean, they they, they were just it off, but people could still see. I mean, mm-hmm. they couldn't touch the car or tamper with evidence, but they could just still crowd around on the sidewalk nearby. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So That's eventually, gross. the crowds began to chant, "Take him away! Take him away!" Oh God! Because this is so dramatic. Because yeah. he was just sitting there in the car like that with his mouth wide open. And the police were just like, you know, not taking him to the morgue or whatever. Mm-hmm. So after Covering the crowd began him up to or chant, anything. Yeah, then they t- removed his body. Um, a few weeks later, Tony Bananas is <laughs> called to New York. <laughs> I forgot I about Tony. <laughs> He's called to New York for a meeting with the commission. And because he had long been Bruno's number two and now Bruno was dead, he expected to be named boss of the Philadelphia crime family. Uh, So he, you know, gets all spiffy and goes to the meeting of the commission and he thinks that he's going to be inducted and whatever. Mm. He was sorely mistaken. Yes! Fatally mistaken. Mm. So the commission announced... To a stunned bananas <laughs> that um, you can upgrade your Tony Bananas Foster to a stunned bananas with a shot of Kahlua for an extra three dollars here at Applebee's during happy hour. Stunned bananas. <laughs> I'm so I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. This sounds so good. I know. I'm upgrading to the stunned. Yeah. Worth Hit me with the stunned. Yep. Worth every penny. (laughs) I also have a gift card, so Uh, this round of stuns is on me. (laughs) (laughs) This round of stuns. (laughs) Okay, so they announced to him that he and his co-conspirators were sentenced to death for carrying out an unsanctioned hit on a mafia boss. But didn't they sanction it? Well, <gasps> Bananas reportedly looked over to Funzy, the man who had given him the green light and told him that he had uh, the approval of the commission. Oh, no. Looks over in shock and disbelief, and in moments it became clear that Funzy had set him up. Yes! Fucking Funzy. Oh, that's... <laughs> Fucking Wow, this is really dramatic. Double cross that son of a bitch. By Funzie. Um, Oh, man. So Funzie denied any knowledge of any prior conversation and said that Bananas was lying and that he just wanted to take out his boss and he didn't have approval and he needed to be sentenced to death. Love it. That Bananas is full of beans. Yep. <laughs> I am so hungry. A bean-filled banana sounds good. Um, you need to be a mob boss. <laughs> I don't know. That banana okay. sounds full of beans. You'd be so menacing. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the more like <laughs> 1950s, yep. like no swearing language you yep. could have, the more scary you would be for sure. <laughs> okay. uh, my, my mom name would be passive aggressive Luch. <laughs> <laughs> Luciano. Luciano. <laughs> um, all right. So Bananas was tortured to death. Uh, for carrying out this allegedly unapproved hit. Perf. Um, Two weeks later, his body was found naked in New York with $20 bills stuffed into his mouth and other orifices. No. I see this photo. Is that what the assless chaps photo is? Those are chaps. That's his body. Yeah, I know, but they look like chaps. It's his mm-hmm. bloodied corpse. Ick. I don't his, see any cash, though. It's inside. That's bloodied bananas. It's, it's up in his bum hole. The cash oh, is I expected it to be like the poking out. Funzy then took control of Atlantic City. Oh, my Fucking God. Fucking Funzy. He got everything he wanted. Yep. His dreams came true. After Bruno and Bananas' deaths. <laughs> <laughs> A mobster named Philip Testa, nicknamed the Chicken Man. Good God! (laughs) This is insane. Um, What is happening? (laughs) Oh my God. Took over the Philadelphia crime family, but his tenure would be short-lived because he too would be murdered by a subordinate in an unsanctioned hit almost exactly one year to the day after Bruno's death. Oh my god. I can't keep up with this. This is complicated. (laughs) And they all lived happily ever after. (laughs) I chose it for the nicknames. Obviously. Doi. Yeah. Yeah. That story is amazing. (laughs) A2 bananas. (laughs) A2 bananas. I can find my funny now because I get it now. Even, even if that doesn't take off with fans, I'm going to shove A2 Bananas merch down your throat. Yes. I don't care if it doesn't sell. I can't. I'll be the only wait. one who buys it, and I'll buy all of it. Can't. Wait. So excited. Oh, my God. We need yeah. a recipe. That'll be our blog post for this oh. episode. A banana for banana bread or bananas foster. A bananas funzer. Oh, my God. A bananas funzy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Done. We will whip that up. A two bananas. A two bananas funzy. Oh my god. <laughs> and then All a right. stunned like stunned claws bananas. at the end. Well done. If desired. <laughs> Stun it right, with a shot of Kahlua. Okay. That's my case. Well, I that was loved great. Every moment. My story is much lighter. No murder. Good. No torture. Amazing. In my opinion, not even any real crime. But (laughs) this shit was illegal then, so it counts. All right. This is the story of a badass woman who took charge in the male-dominated prohibition era of bootlegging. Yes. Already love it. Yep. There was so much organized crime during prohibition. It was, like, fucking crazy. Oh my and god. Prohibition lasted for like a fucking decade. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Plenty of time. Shit was cray. So, Gertrude Lithgow, also known as Grace, also known as Cleo, 
was born. Miss Cleo. Was born in Bowling Green, Ohio. She was one of ten children to English and Scottish parents, but had what was described as, quote, an exotic appearance that allowed her to pass for Native American, Russian, French, or Spanish. Love it. Uh Dang. Dark hair. Yep. Precisely. (laughs) She was a brunette. (laughs) As a child, uh, Oh, sorry, as an adult, she was a dead ringer for Queen Cleopatra, which is how she earned the nickname Le- Cleo. Ooh. Mm-hmm. She's fucking gorgeous. There's pictures of her on the drive. Nice. Her mother died Ooh, young, okay. and her father was unable to care for the ten children left behind, leaving all oh, of them fucks. orphaned. Oh, my oh, God. No. Yeah. He just peaced. So some reports show that the children spent a little time in a state orphanage before being rescued by their aunt, and then later they reconciled with their, with their father as adults. Um, mm. As a child, Cleo adored school. She was highly intelligent and had a quick mind. Mm. At the age of 18, she traveled back and forth from New York and California as a stenographer, which if anyone doesn't know that, it's like shorthand typing. Like, anytime yeah. you're in a courtroom and you see, like, the little old lady in the corner typing with only, like, two fingers, that's stenography. Yeah. It's amazing, it's, actually. I kind of want to learn. It's like an entire yeah. language that you have to learn. You have to go to a very specialized, like, school program for it. It's really cool. Um, during this time, she met a London-based liquor distributor. And when Prohibition passed into law in the States, um, this employer saw an opportunity to bring liquor to the U.S. through the Bahamas. Okay. Mm, so okay. he needed a savvy and under the radar business person to oversee this business, and Cleo was chosen for this role. Lucky. She was described Ooh. as, quote, truly a wonderful personality, a woman of cultivated tastes, who can talk on books, and who travels with the best music in her trunks and shows such artistic <laughs> taste in dress. I love that I quote. I loved that description. Mm-hmm. She could talk about the best books. Music She's in got her great trunks. CDs in her trunk. She's got a lot else in her trunk. And she dresses in a way that gives me a boner. So she's the perfect she's woman. She's got a well curated Spotify mm-hmm. list. <laughs> so she traveled to, is it Nassau? Nassau? Yeah. Nassau? Yeah, Nassau. Nassau? Nassau. In the Bahamas. Mm hmm. Um, where she set up the company's wholesale liquor business, and she used her Scottish connections to import some of the best scotch and whiskey the world had to offer. Hell yeah. So she's like... This is incredible, and I want to be her. Yeah, she's amazing. Men were often wary of her because fucking patriarchy, assuming that a woman, especially a beautiful woman, could not properly run a business. She Mm. proved everyone wrong, however, with both the quality of her goods and, of course, her smarts. She, and of course, yeah. her musics. And of course, the musics in her trunk. Her trunk. <laughs> um, she quickly became a formidable figure in the liquor supplying business and came to be known as the Bahama Queen. Oh yes. Uh-huh. She absolutely loved being in the spotlight and gave frequent interviews to the papers. And living and working out of the Bahamas was not a crime, though she knew full full well and oversaw illegal deliveries to the United States. But she was like basically untouchable because they had no paper trail, and she wasn't even stateside. So like nobody was fucking with her. 
They couldn't come after her even if she did get caught. Exactly. Yeah, she was handing stuff off to the people that could get in trouble. Exactly. So a reporter once interviewed Cleo in Nassau, and she told him about a man who talked shit about her goods and talked shit about her, and she was not (laughs) happy. And here's her quote. Everyone knows this that my bitch. liquor is the best, but for some reason, for, for some reason or another, this man thought he would criticize it to other people, and he also said something unpleasant about me. Well, I found <laughs> him in a barber shop with his face lathered, and I just walked right in and told him I want to talk to him. I fetched him along to my office, and there I just warned him. I told him I'd put a bullet through him as sure as he sat there, and he went away mighty quick. <laughs> <laughs> What a badass bitch. She's incredible. Can we bring back as sure as? As sure as. In threats. Yep. I love it. I love it. She eventually went into business with the real McCoy, Bill McCoy, who is one of Prohibition's most notorious (laughs) rum runners. Yep. Yep. That's a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. On one particular run, Cleo came aboard the boat bringing their goods from the Bahamas to New York, and she refused to leave the boat until her load was sold and was aboard for several weeks waiting for the last barrel to move. So she just lived on this ship. The bathroom at the bar, that's what I tell them. Yep. I refuse to leave until until my my load load is moved. (laughs) I shall station here for weeks Yep (laughs) Till my last barrel Anyway As sure as you stand there (laughs) Put a bullet right through you You'll go away right quick I had too many bananas fosters (laughs) Too bananas funsies (laughs) She and McCoy became good friends on that trip And he later said about her um, that Nassau was not the best place in those days for attractive, unprotected women. Though she was the former, <laughs> she certainly was not the latter. Members of the oh, rum man. mob who drew their own conclusions concerning her and then tried to operate accordingly probably will recall the breathtaking fury she could show, and one or two must remember the pistol jammed into their ribs by way of making things clear. Oh yes. my God. An able, she thoroughly competent amazing. girl was she. No twittery Jane at whom one could make passes with impunity. She expected <laughs> others to mind their own business as she attended to hers. She worked on that overtime, and in its course, she nearly ran me ragged. <laughs> she was no twittery Jane. I'm obsessed oh, with her. he couldn't hack it. So yeah. Cleo became a target of the U.S. authorities and was even strip-searched by a female officer at a port on one of these rum runs, but... Unlike the other so-called queen of the bootleggers, Cleo, like I said before, loved the limelight and she gave several media interviews. So she became like a true media darling with newspapers all over the world, but primarily in like Jamaica and New York publishing her photo. Hell yeah. Um, And if you've seen the acclaimed movie musical Chicago, you can see how Mm -hmm. much the public opinion of you in the papers can actually affect your trial. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So she was beloved. Like, men fell in love with her. They sent her love letters that were published in the newspaper because no one had her address. So there's one from an Englishman who, who simply signed, quote, one who loves you um, and wrote, I only wish you lived in England. I would marry you as a home life would be far more suitable for you than your present occupation. No. Oh, my God. Bitch was like, you yeah, lost okay. It. No. But hard left turn uh-huh. yeah. on that proposal. But Cleo yeah. said frequently, I don't need a man to tell me what to do. That's a quote. Mm. 
She was independent, strong, and knew how to use her charm. She could also threaten a man quite well, staving off competition with razor blades and potential rapes with pistols. Like someone would try to rape her and she would wield a gun on them. Love. She's a fucking boss. She knew how to draw a weapon and wasn't afraid to use it. Though zero reports exist that she ever took anyone's life. I don't think she actually had to because she simply scared them into submission like a goddamn queen. Mm-hmm. It was like extra terrifying to have like a an attractive woman pull a gun on yeah, you. Yeah, because it's like, so oh my God. out of left field. Just be stunned. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, in this yeah. case, wait. No means no. no? <laughs> I'm no means fuck no. So confused okay. about all of this. Um, it's funny that you should say that though, Kenyon, because um, that's kind of incorporated into the next little part of the story. But uh, mm. her reign came to an end with one of her boats was seized in nineteen in like the late 1920s, early 1930s. I don't remember. She was like at the beginning of um, Prohibition, but I don't think she made it all the way through Prohibition, which in fact mm. she did not now that I'm looking at some of these dates. Um, to avoid serious repercussions, Cleo turned into a little bit of a rat and turned state witness on her former employees mm. who allegedly yeah. stole her boat to run liquor into the United States, or at least that's her story. Clearly, she was trying to distance herself from involvement in uh, consistent smuggling, and her ratting out of a bunch of dudes who worked for her seemed to do the trick because the trial quietly went away, and Cleo just never bootlegged again. And, like, lived out her days. Love it. She gave up a handful of people. They were like, okay, cool. Bye. And she just, like, lived her life. Um, Oh. You're pretty. We can be done. Exactly. Yeah. I wish that (laughs) was still the case, though that would not work on me. Um, the Wall Street <laughs> Journal estimated she was worth more than $1 million, like, at the time. <gasps> Whoa. Mm-hmm. But nobody really knows, because she squirreled away so much of her money and so much was hidden in, like, offshore accounts that no one has any clue. Yeah. Cleo was very cryptic. She never incriminated herself about her illegal dealings. And apparently this was, like, the thing about women bootleggers because the men were brash and loud and they took to violence when they had disputes. So there was lots of murder and just, like, assault among male bootleggers. Um, but women would just, like, fly under the radar and keep their cool because we're not fucking crazy emotional psychos like mm-hmm. men are. we get shit done. Mm-hmm. We're organized. And, we're professional. And women would keep things close to the chest. They wouldn't talk about what they were doing, so they wouldn't get caught. Um, Brag. So, though men primarily ran the show during Prohibition, many of the smarter crime lords would hire female smugglers. Um, and even if the women were not the leaders of bootlegging collectives or even really smuggling at all, they would hire women just to make sure they were in the car during a smuggling because if they were stopped by the police well and if they were stopped by the police it was like considered rude for police to search a vehicle that had a woman in it and searching a woman who was driving alone was actually illegal at the time yes Mm mm-hmm Dang. So women would hide flasks, sometimes flasks in their dresses, and I think I put this on the drive, but there's a picture of a female bootlegger. Yeah, it's it's on the drive, and she literally has, like, tiny barrels. It's amazing. Strapped to her thighs yeah. that are covered by her jacket yes. and, her, and her dress. And that's literally yeah. how they would do it, and nobody would search them. Um, or they would have That's to so acquire good. a female member of law enforcement to search them, but it's the fucking 20s, so there aren't female cops. 
like yeah, so at I had to all. Wait, like seventeen hours. Exactly. So yeah. this is a rare instance when rampant sexism oh, came was in real great. handy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So these women. Also, the number of times that I have used an employee-only restroom by sticking out my stomach and pretending to be pregnant. Oh, duh. <laughs> Off the chart. Can't it's even like count. Three and times a week, I'm doing that time. shit. Yeah, love yeah. it. Um, yeah. So yeah, women were badass. They were uh, working with these syndicates. They were driving trucks filled with liquor because then they wouldn't get searched. And some of these women were running multi-million dollar operations, which is really cool. So they were either hired by syndicates or they would create some of their own bootlegging groups. And um, it was said at one point that female bootleggers outsold men five sales to one. Which is just one of the million ways that women are forgotten in the background while we are actually running this goddamn shit. Hello, hidden figures. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Mm Yep. Same thing. We got you to the moon. Sending rockets into space. (laughs) Yeah. We. (laughs) This alcohol brought to you by women. This understanding of space brought to you by women. You're fucking Mm -hmm. welcome. Um, Another interesting thing is that women were also largely responsible for making alcohol legal again. The Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform was started by Pauline Morton Sabin in 1929, and she changed the national conversation by basically convincing women that the government was trying to tell them what was best for their children. (laughs) And women were like, nope. So she pushed for state regulations on alcohol rather than sweeping federal laws and convince enough lawmakers on the state level and citizens to support her for her plan to work. And it helped, like, fully overturn prohibition starting at the state level and then it moved to the federal level, which is so cool. Amazing. And that's my story of Cleo, Miss Cleo, Queen of the Bahamas. How perfect for this show, Mm -hmm. too. I loved her so much. I was like, okay, you didn't really do anything that bad, but I love you, so we're going to talk about you today. Mm-hmm. Lady yeah. bootleggers. Also, these photos are awesome. Aren't I love the one incredible? of her on her boat, like having a snack with, with the dudes. With fucking, I think one of those guys is Bill McCoy. I don't nice. see the I don't see the boat dudes photo. It's yeah, you oh, it's you I captioned do. McCoy mm-hmm. life, yes. but her wearing like oh, her she's turban, just so much fun. drinking straight whiskey. In the Bahamas is like one of the most immaculate photos I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. I love her. The She's so fucking hat. cool. I know. I want to yeah, bring those like back. Yeah, like flapper dress. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. She's crushing it. I'm probably gonna print this out and like frame it. Yep. Yep. Love it. All right. Well, special thanks this week yes. to Cleo. Yes. Yes. What was her real name? Her name was Gertrude Lifko. Gertrude, yes. let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, also, before we really dive into special thanks, we have one thing we need to butt plug. Yes. So, um, as many of you know, we are going to be at Crime Con. We're going to get nasty Woo! in Nashville. Yes. I'm nasty. May so 4th, excited. 5th, and 6th. Mark your mm-hmm. calendars. And I know that yes. within the... Uh, happy hour Facebook group which if you're not in it you should join it it's super fun Um, some folks are organizing in a subgroup um, who are planning to attend CrimeCon who can see if they can do some ride share maybe some hotel room share just ways to minimize expenses so get involved in that if you want to come because it's going to be fucking awesome and just meet up with other people in this in our group Mm -hmm. like 
Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be we're going s- alone. We're so excited to meet all of mm-hmm. you. We're so excited to, like, put faces to names. And you're going to have to introduce yourselves with, like, your Twitter handles mm-hmm. and Instagram handles. But... Then we'll be so excited because we'll know exactly who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. And be great. I'm excited to meet Jeffrey Skinner. I'm not gonna lie because he live tweets all yes. of my best he live lines. Tweets all the episodes. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, Pizza Dad. <laughs> Reminding Pizza Dad me what lives. I said because I always forget. <laughs> um, yeah. So also, this episode airs on December 28th, mm-hmm. and uh, CrimeCon has promised us that uh, they will give us our promo code to share with fans for CrimeCon tickets in January. Yep. So hang tight. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. We're going to get that code to you very soon so you can buy your tickets and help out the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, all right. Moving on to special thanks this week. Love it. So, again, uh, this topic, this week's topic, was picked by a $25 a month Patreon, Rowan Collins. Mm -hmm. So, big special thanks to Rowan. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Big thanks. Woo! And then who wants to take the first one? I'll start. Okay. All right. Bianca McNeese. Thank you Ooh, so you're much the bees for your, McNeese. you're the bees McNeese, little Bianca McNeese. <laughs> Thank you for your donation. <laughs> Denisha Davis, $5 a month. Thank you so much. Uh, also adorable and very active in the Facebook group, and we love you. Yep, yep. yep. Love your activity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Melissa Baker, we love you. Thank you you're so much. You're the baker's wife. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm drunk. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth Bradley Johnson at $10 a month. Thank you so much. You will be getting your fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail at some point after I'm done shipping all the holiday orders because you guys are so awesome. Yeah, we got a lot of holiday orders. Oh, yeah. Do a couple emergency orders of shirts and wine glasses. (laughs) So. Yep. Apologies for the delays, but great problem to have. Yeah. Is it me? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Um, Lauren Habs, also donating at $10 a month, also eventually receiving a wine glass. God bless. (laughs) And and in the same boat, Rachel Colleen. Thank you. You're amazing. You guys are so awesome. Uh, Sam Webster, also at $10 a month, also the co-host of the podcast, Femme Faison. Mm. And if you love our Just Butterfield accent, you will love their actual Deep South accents. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and not like Kentucky Deep South. We're talking real Deep South. <laughs> so the deep. Drawl. The deepest of the South. The deep South. Mer- <laughs> is it, wait, are you next? Or yeah. am I next? You're next. Oh, You're next. Meredith Ann. Also getting a mm. FP wine glass. FPWG. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, Jamie Harter. We heart you, Jamie Harter. Uh-huh. Mm. Heart you so hard. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm mad. My, my nerves are quivering. Oh, yeah. But- okay. <laughs> so gross. Grace Lorange at $25 a month, mm. you fucking yes. saint, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Grace will get uh, to pick an episode topic just like Rowan did mm-hmm. for this episode. And or wine and or case. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so will Robin Reynolds, who, thank you so much, increased their pledge from $10 to $25 a month, now qualifying Woo-hoo. them for that top-tier category. Incredible. Love it so much. You guys are amazing, and thank you for uh, toughing it out during the issues with Patreon, and we're glad to be able to maintain that account for you guys. And we uh, we say this every week, but we can't believe that you actually give us money and help us support the show. Um, It's gone toward new equipment, merch sales, literally a brand new computer that's probably here by the time this airs um, that's Mm going to make our editing so much more convenient and have better processing speeds and my computer won't crash every time I'm trying to do a fucking episode. And that's all and because of you. And for me to fly back mm-hmm. for CrimeCon. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've been able to it's do amazing. so much because of you guys, so we really appreciate it. We love you. It's all you. Thank you. See you next Mwah. week. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!